Welcome to Leading Lights. Thanks for listening. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. We are starting another uh, little series of about three weeks. Uh, it's called Making Church Work. And uh, we're really excited from the point of view that this is building on a great series we had recently on the Purpose Course, trying to equip you to discover your distinct purpose in the big picture within this body so that together we can serve the Lord. We want to try and build on that over the next three weeks. Uh, we've been looking ahead to 2015 already, and we are very, very excited by what God is doing. You know, significant things are happening and are about to happen. And we want you to be encouraged. We want you to be a part of that. And so the next few weeks, we're going to build on the purpose course, as I said. Uh, my, my goal today is to have a look at Ephesians chapter 3 and 4. We're going to whiz through chapter 3. I just want to highlight a few significant things. I want to talk about the purpose of the church. Okay, what is church all about? Uh, and then I want to talk about the role of elders or leaders in the church. I want to talk about my third point being the role of church members, uh, people who give themselves to this body particularly. And then I want to talk about the commitment that's required from all of us just and encourage you to keep running strong in the, what God is doing and called you to. Uh, we're going to look at Paul. Paul is a, a fantastic man of God. So much for us to learn from. One, a, a believer just like us, but whom God called to a specific role. And uh, he has a lot to encourage us with today. So we're going to be looking at what he has to say about the church and about how church works. And hence the title, Making Church Work. I want to begin in, uh, in chapter 3 of Ephesians. You don't need to turn there. We're going to whisk through, really. I want to highlight a few significant things because it's important for us to understand what the church actually is as we get going. And, and this is not particularly going to be new to all of you. Uh, we, we keep bringing up these ideas, these principles, because they really are so fundamental to God doing what he wants to do in the earth. And so you've heard them before if you've been to this church for a while. But we believe they're so important. We want to make sure that they're properly embedded in our understanding of the gospel and who we are and how it's going to work itself out. So in uh, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 7, Paul is talking about this wonderful mystery called the gospel and the work of Jesus and all that is unfolding and he talks about himself, and I really want us to just learn a few things from what he says in chapter, uh, verse 7 of chapter 3. He, um, he says in verse 6, sorry, uh, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. And he goes on to say in verse 7, of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Now, it depends what church you may have gone to in the past. It depends what kind of background you've had in the church. When you hear that word minister, I'm sure a lot of you think about the bloke who leads a church, who's the, the paid guy, right? Some people call him pastor, some people call him priest, whatever it is in whatever denomination. Paul uses this word today as we get going, 
the word minister, to describe who he is in this big picture, in this gospel, and what he's called to. But I want at the very outset to just make clear for all of us today that when we talk about minister, I'm going to break this down a little bit later on, it's different to this idea of the guy who gets paid to do the work of the church. Okay, just lock that away in your mind and we'll unpack that a little bit later on. Paul talks about himself as a minister, but actually if you look at that word, a better description of what he's talking about is a servant. Okay, and he says in in these two verses in 6 and 7 that he's the servant of the gospel. He immediately makes it very clear, folks, as I speak to you today, I am a servant of the gospel. And then he goes on, um, in, it's important for us to understand that we're not talking about a position here. Alright, we're talking about a purpose. And this becomes more meaningful a little bit later on when I unpack it. When we talk about a minister, we're not talking about a position, but we're talking about a, about a purpose, a calling to serve the gospel. Uh, in verse 10 of chapter 3, He's going on and he's talking about the wisdom of God made known to the church. He's talking around this theme of Jesus and all that he's done on our behalf. But he's relaying here this idea of the gospel, of the message of the gospel, that this wisdom has been made known to the church. Just let's pause here again and talk about definition of the church. What is the church? It is not the stone and the mortar and the steeple and the bell and the stained glass windows. That is not what the church is. The church is you and me. The church is a living, breathing organism filled with the presence of God. We are the church. And he's saying here that this wisdom has been made known to us. The gospel has been revealed to us for a purpose. Okay? He goes on in verse 11 of chapter 3 to say, according to the eternal purpose. He's talking about the purpose here. He's talking about the church. He's talking about the purpose of the church. And he's saying that this purpose doesn't change. It never changes. The purpose of the the church is the same and will always be. Okay? It doesn't change in a different time. It doesn't change in a different part of the world. The purpose of the church is always the same. All right, and we're going to get there. He talks in verse 11 about how this this, um, eternal purpose has been accomplished in Jesus Christ. Okay? When Jesus died, was buried, when he rose back to life, death itself was conquered. And purpose began right there for the church. To take that message into all the worlds. Into all the world, sorry. To all people, every nation, every tribe, every tongue. Jesus accomplished it. And then he ascended to heaven. And he sat down beside his father. And he handed on that purpose to us. The church, okay? It never changes. He goes on in verse, verses 14 to pray for the church. I'd actually like to come back to that a little bit later on because it's significant. 
But in verse 21, listen to the words of this now. He says, to him be glory in the church. He's not talking about Jesus. Jesus has accomplished what he's accomplished. He sat down and he's at the right hand of God. But now he's talking about the church picking up that baton and running. And he's talking about the glory of God being revealed in the church. You and me through the church. We are the church to reveal the glory of God to all generations. Our purpose as the church is to carry on the work that Jesus came and did on this earth and said, right, over to you guys. The church is the purpose of God in the earth to see the gospel go out. So I've just wanted to quickly highlight those things. I would encourage you strongly to go and read through chapter 3 of Ephesians. It's wonderful. But I've tried to take the significant points out of it and summarize them for you because it's important to understand what our purpose is. Okay? It's the purpose of every Christian. The overarching purpose of this church, every church on this island, every church in every nation that serves the Lord Jesus. The purpose of the church is the gospel. Do we understand that today? Your purpose is the gospel. The thing that directs your life, that motivates you in however it plays itself out in your life is the gospel. You carry the hope of eternity in your hearts, in your hands, in your feet, in your mouths. Our goal is to take that purpose and define it, distill it down specifically for you and I. Where is my part to see that purpose fulfilled? The purpose of the church is to carry the message of hope. It's not to come on a Sunday and attend church and be a good Christian. Okay? You will have heard over and over in the last few weeks, it's not about being good people. It's about who we are in Jesus and about how other people can come to that place as well. And so we're trying to build over this, looking into next year. All right, that's the purpose of the church, the gospel. Now, you're probably wondering why there's an image of guys in a scrum. Heidi was concerned a little bit about the idea that we're looking at backsides, but if you ever watch rugby, that's a part of the game, you can't look away, you'll be seeing a lot of bums, okay? So, having said that, the image for me that is significant is this idea of the scrum. If you know rugby, you'll understand. If you don't, you need to take some time to learn, because rugby's a great game, okay? The idea of the scrum is the binding together and pushing forward as a unit. It's a fantastic image. I want to talk about rugby. I want to talk about the rugby team. I want to talk about the strategy today because I believe it's a helpful analogy. It's not perfect, but it's helpful for us in understanding how we work together with this message of the gospel. And I want to just say that the gospel itself, if you want to, ima want to imagine the game of rugby, is resembled or symbolized by the ball. Okay? In a game of rugby, everyone's eyes are focused on the ball. The ball is what they're after. And in the team of the rugby team, the goal is to carry that ball over the line. Okay? Everyone working together to get that ball over the line to score the points to win the game. All right? 
Don't overanalyze analyze that image, but just think about the gospel message as being the ball. We're called to carry the ball and not to drop the ball. Amen. Right. So let's talk about the role of the leaders. Uh, we're going to move along to chapter 4. I'd like to read some verses uh, because this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, reading from verses 11 through to 16. Paul's speaking and he says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I want to take some time to pull out my next three points this morning by looking at that passage. We're going to look at, firstly, the role of the leaders in the church. Paul talks about how Jesus has assigned specific oversight leadership roles to particular people and their roles. First, let me say they don't make people more important. They are just responsibilities to be played out. Okay? God picks them. By his spirit, he graces people to fulfill these roles, okay? Now, when we talk about leaders in the church, this is really important. This might be surprising to some of you. It might be really revolutionary to the way that you've understood church to work, okay? But God has equipped these people like the coaching staff of a rugby team. Calling them to play a role to coach the team. And uh, we read in verse 12, Paul talks about how he's called some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints. Let's rest there for a moment. The job of the leadership, the eldership, if you want to call it in this church, is what we would talk about, the eldership, is to coach the body, the people in the church, and equip them, right? That's a significant word that Paul uses there, equipping. It talks about perfection or completion to complete thoroughly a process as completed the role of elders in the church is to see this process completed in your life as a player on a rugby team the strategy of the game where to be at the right time putting players in positions, moving players from position to position to see where they best fit. When people get injured, resting them, restoring them back to the game when they're ready, making sure that as an, a standing back from the game and seeing the big picture, how the people are playing, where they're fitting in, how they're working, making sure that they're developing and becoming more mature. Words describing the word equipping are prepare, 
fit, frame, adjust, repair, mend, restore, and join together. Do you get the idea of the coach? There's different coaching staff involved during the week. Getting the players ready, preparing them, enabling them with skills so that on the day of the game, they can put it into practice. And that's this idea, it's not a perfect analogy again, but it's this idea that leaders in the church are called to equip you. That's their job. Now, if you come from a traditional church, you might have been guilty or have been taught, or whether it's with words or without outwork in the church, of thinking that the minister or the priest, he's the guy who does the church. We come on a Sunday, we listen to his lovely sermon, we pay our money, and we go, and you do. But that's not what Paul is talking about whatsoever. And so at that point, I want us to move on today and talk about what is the role of the body. Actually, quickly, before I go on. I referred earlier on in chapter 3 to Paul's prayer for the church. Listen to this prayer. Let me read it to you. Uh, Verse 14 of chapter 3 says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, This is Paul praying for the church. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love. There's so much that we, this is another sermon right here that we could preach. You, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend, not just comprehend, comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God a significant very important part of church leaders is to pray for you that you would experience the fullness of Jesus in your life. That you would understand the height, depth, length, breadth of his goodness. That you'd be rooted, that we couldn't pull you up. And grounded, weight resting on true foundations. That you would understand Christ in such a profound way that your life would be radically transformed. So leaders are called to equip you for the task But we pray for you guys. We cry out to the Lord that these things that Paul prayed, you would understand. That you would grow up into this understanding because it will affect the way you are and the way you live. All right. So sorry to backtrack very quickly there. The leaders are called to equip and to pray earnestly for your health in the Lord. Amen. Moving on then to the role of the body. Paul says, for the equipping of the saints... For the work of the ministry. Wow. You guys are called to do the work of the ministry. (laughs) That's the same word that Paul used when he talked about how he was called to be a minister of the gospel. You and we are the same. We just have different roles. We play the same role as you, but our higher goal is to see you equipped and more fruitful and playing your part with more 
enjoyment and success and fruitfulness. You guys are called to do the work of the ministry. That might just transform the way you think about your place in the church today. That word ministry talks about the vocation of those who preach the gospel and have care for the church. That's applied to everybody. So now it's not just the job of the guy who preaches on a Sunday to care for everyone. We are called to pastor one another. I just want you to hear that today. Just take a moment. You are the pastors. You're the ones who carry out the work of the church. We can't do it all. The coaches often used to be players on the field. I find that helpful. They know the game. Now their role has changed and they encourage the team to do the work, to carry the ball, to, to cross the line. Well, for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ, that's your role. That word edify means to build the act of building as a process for spiritual profit. Your job, your role is to build the church. Wow. Not only to care for one another and to pastor one another, but to see it build and grow and be established brick upon brick, the walls going up. Do you get the picture? I want to release you guys into the things that God is calling you today. For too long, leaders in the church have stood in the way of people in the body from rising up into the fullness of who that God has called them to be. And we are trying our best, prayerfully, to release you to be all that God has created you to be, to be the church here in Jersey and in the rest of the world, in your workplace, at your home, wherever you go, building, encouraging the work of the ministry at work. You might be sitting there thinking, wow, Chaz, how am I going to do that? If you've been in the church for a little while, you'll understand there's a lot to do. There's a lot of working together to be done to see it successfully played out. There's a lot of understanding that we need to gain and maturing. And Paul talks about it. He says in verse 13, till we all come to the unity or the oneness of the faith of the faith he talks about and of the knowledge of the son of god that word knowledge being clear and exact knowledge through participation in the process right that knowledge and understanding and awareness doesn't come from spectating but from getting in the game from playing with all your heart and committing yourself you know a, a rugby player the highest goal for them is to play for their country that doesn't happen by accident. That starts as a small boy in the garden with the dad, kicking the ball and throwing the ball around, going through school and playing rugby at school and learning a bit more of the game, going on to university level and, and club level and scouts coming and spotting you. There is growing that goes all the way through. And in a, in a, and in a national team, you even have new players in the team and what they call senior players. 
who have been in the team for a long time, who have great experience and maturity. This is what Paul is calling us to, this process of growing in our knowledge of the Son of God. He talks about to becoming a perfect man, adult, full-grown, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Maturity in years, age of size. I want you to understand, folks, that the church is not going to grow by accident. The church is not just going to find its way. Yes, Jesus is the head, and Jesus leads us, but he's calling us to pick the ball up, to lock together, and to move forward, synchronized, thoughtfully, purposefully, not accidentally. Amen. 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 That's what he's calling us to today. And I love what he says in verse um, 16, right at the bottom. He finishes up this passage by saying, according to the effect of working. There is so much that we can be doing. We could spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week, doing all sorts of things that are good. But it's knowing what is the thing that we ought to be doing. Each of us. Knowing where we fit. Referring, deferring to the coaches. Saying, here I am. Where can I play? Where do you want me? And we try that for a while. Oh, it's not really working. It's not kind of my perfect fit, but I'm happy to be here until someone else is available. And then we get moved. This is a better fit. This is how it works out. We commit ourselves to the process. We give ourselves to it. We're here to fit with the church, to serve the church, to, to work with the other members. So it talks about the effect of working by which, listen to this very carefully now, every part does its share. I want to encourage you today. Are you playing in the team? Or are you just thinking, mm, I'm not sure. I'd rather just stand and watch. It works when you get involved. When you start to play. When you give yourself to the process. We don't grow and mature by accident. You know, it's awesome to come on a Sunday and sit under the ministry of the Word. Because there's a time in your walk as a Christian where you learn a lot. And significant things happen in your life. But then you reach a stage where you just feel like you're not going anywhere. And ding, ding, that's a significant time to actually think, hey, I'm not playing. It's when we get involved in the playing on the team that our growth rockets on again and soars. And so I want to just lay that out there today. I want to say, what is our call to action now? What do we do with this understanding? Because we're getting ready for a new year full of opportunities to work for the glory of God as his team here at Lighthouse. I have four ways that I think you can consider. Bible school is a great way for you to grow in knowledge of who God is and all he's calling you to. If you don't have never been I would encourage you to get involved with Bible school on a Tuesday night. It's so helpful to set you up for all that God has. The second thing is life groups. Wow. The equipping that takes place in a life group context is phenomenal. And I think 
that we really underplay the importance of life groups in the life of church. Because that's where you wrestle with your gifts and you exercise them and they grow. That's where your skills in leading and your confidence in praying and prophecy and all that kind of stuff starts to be released in a safe environment. You get to flex your muscles. I would totally encourage you to get involved with life groups. Life groups is where the pastoring effectively takes place. We can't do that on a Sunday. We get so little time, you know. We're so busy often with all the things that need to take place to make it happen here. Life groups are significant in your development. And so we are praying for new ideas and new life groups and new life to be birthed. And we're going to be talking about that over the next few weeks some more. Be praying and asking God to show you if there's a part that you can play in having an idea to set up a life group. To motivating people to be a part of it. To making it happen. Working for the body and creating opportunities for people to be involved and grow. Um, Discover your gifts. Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? If you don't, ask them to say, how can I find out? They are significant in your hand for serving the church. So, think about being involved with Bible school. Think about life groups, about how you can maybe start one or be involved in one that really is going to work for you. Uh, think about your gifts and talents and how you can use them. Think about how you can be involved in a Sunday team on a Sunday. We are needing more people all the time on a Sunday morning to facilitate what happens here. You know, on our rotor, there are probably about 40 or 50 people involved. It's amazing to see everyone getting stuck in. But we always need more. Get involved in a Sunday team. If you want to know about what opportunities there are, speak to me. I'd love to share that with you. We are always looking. Let's lock arms together. Let's scrummage together for the Lord and push the ball forward and see his kingdom advanced and see this church grow numerically and spiritually because that's what happens when we all lock arms. At the end of verse 17, he says, this effective working where every part does its share, it causes growth of the body. That's numerical. That's physical growth. And also the edifying of itself in love, the spiritual, the fulfillment that you feel, the excitement to see people getting saved. You know, last week, three people gave their lives to Jesus. How awesome is that? That's significant. And to be a part of that process in people's lives is truly encouraging. So I'm going to leave it there. Thank you for what you're calling us to, Jesus. Thank you for who you have graced us to be in this team. Thank you, Lord, that it's not about running individually, but working together. And so we, we pray, Lord, that you would just continue to enthuse us for all that you're calling us to, Lord, that you would continue by your Spirit to equip us to be who you're calling us to be, and that, God, you would continue to add success to what you've done in us as a church and will do, Lord, 
Success for your gospel, for your kingdom, Lord. Seeing people's lives changed for eternity, Lord. Hope coming and freedom experienced. Lord, we give ourselves to this cause. We're incited, Lord, excited to be a part of all that you're doing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, go to leadinglightsnetwork.com.